Welcome back to another episode of On the Bright Side. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Today we have a little bit of a different episode. Um, I will be doing an interview with someone I've known for a little bit. Um, his name is George Newfield, and we're going to talk about the situation going on with Russia and Ukraine, primarily focusing on Ukraine. However, we will always just stick to this positive um, things that can come out of this as well. So there will be some emphasis on that. So thank you so much for joining me today, Mr. Newfield. I really appreciate it. Um, so to start, I'd just love to ask you a little bit on maybe how it's affected you and um, like what it's played in your life so far, because this is a huge situation. Yes, thank you, Micah. Um, appreciate you asking me to, to comment. It's something that's very near and dear to my heart. I have a family that lives in Ukraine. My wife has family that lives in Ukraine, and I've been to Ukraine twice, once on a missions trip, once um, as a translator for a college trip. So it's it's somewhere that I'm very familiar with, and uh, the people are very kind, and, and I'd be glad to give you more of a, a lay of the land. But the way that it's impacting me is, you know, my family is right in the thick of it. I have family in um, Kharkiv, which is the kind of northeastern town, which is right on the Russian border. It's the second largest city in Ukraine after Kiev, the capital. And that city's just been destroyed. And my family was, you know, from the very first day that they started bombing, they were in their basement. We were corresponding, sending pictures, uh, doing video calls, and... You know, they were in a very tough spot. They had to make a choice between staying and risking their lives and, and trying to flee and, and, and risk their lives. And um, I had other family that was, or I still have other family that's in Kherson, which is an area in the southeastern part of the country, which is just pretty much across the, uh, the, the water there, across the strait. I don't know what it's called from Crimea, so it's directly north of Crimea. That was one of the areas that was really overcome very quickly because of the forces that were already in Crimea, and so they were in a battle zone very quickly. My, um, you know, we have friends and, and uh, relatives in Kiev, which is the capital, and for the most part, Kiev, I mean, it's a big city, and, and it's it's pretty well fortified. It's it's well protected, and they haven't seen nearly as much of the carnage as some of the other cities have. Um, my wife also, her mother was born in Ukraine, and she used to go to Ukraine every summer um, on school vacation and spend time with her great-grandmother and her grandmother and her cousins, and so she speaks Ukrainian fluently, and, you know, the the family that's still there is in the western part, which has not seen as much conflict. Uh, what they have seen, though, is a fleeing of refugees from the east, from the south, in the, the hardest hit, you know, the, the hot zones, as they're calling them. The good news story underlying this that, you know, we can expand upon, but a lot of the folks that are in the east and the south are traditionally uh, Russian Orthodox. I mean, most of Ukraine is Russian Orthodox, but there's a heavy population of evangelical Christians in the in the eastern part. And now a lot of the folks that were, I'm sorry, in the western part, there's a lot of evangelical Christians 
folks from the east and the south are now traveling through the heavily Christian areas, and churches are opening up their doors. People are, are taking, uh, you know, people into their homes, caring for them, providing for them, being the hands and feet of Jesus, as, as you can imagine. And so these people are getting an exposure to, you know, a really different religion or, you know, from their countrymen, but they're also seeing, you know, love in action. Um, you know, and, and also another way that this is impacting us is we're trying to rally support um, in various ways, pretty much grassroots for the most part, but trying to get medical supplies over there, funds to, to buy basic basic items, you know, supporting our family financially as well. So, Yeah, um, De- definitely. And I'd love to talk a little bit more about the um, what you were saying about like churches getting involved and maybe are there any, any other ways um, people in Ukraine and just other areas are really extending out their hands and saying, hey, we're here to help you, we're here to support you. Um, different churches, as you said, are there any other places doing that as well? And maybe if you want to go into churches a bit more as well, that'd be great because that's such a, I think, big part of this um, this issue is that like it's great to see that there are actually people and places doing something, but I feel like it's not focused on enough. We're not emphasizing these places that are already in Ukraine that are trying to help as well. Yeah, absolutely, Micah. So well, let me start out by, by you know, the the generosity that I'm seeing and hearing about from the Polish people has really overwhelmed me in a good way. And it just, when you see, you know, the evil of war and just the, the pain and devastation and really a lot of the bad parts of humanity, our sin nature, our selfishness, our self-preservation, all those things that lead us to, um, you know, put our, our best interest before our brothers. You see that contrasted with the generosity in the humanity and the kindness and the love and compassion um, that the Polish people especially have been providing. I mean, you're talking about millions and millions of people coming into their country, and they're just embracing them. Um, they're providing for all their basic needs. And, you know, I, I pray on a regular basis, thanking God for for the people of Poland. And it's not just Poland. It's all throughout Europe. It's just Poland has seen, um, you know, the vast majority of the refugees um, fleeing into Poland because Poland and Ukraine have such a, a, a long-running border. Um, so just just that alone, I, I want to highlight and say, God bless the people of Poland. We need to pray for them because it's not easy to take on millions and millions of people who can't support themselves Um you know, so that that's one highlight. The other highlight is churches are doing a lot. Whether the churches are in these hot zones, these conflict zones, the ones I'm more familiar with are the ones that are in the West. Um, my wife's uncle is uh, is a pastor in a city called um, Lutsk, which is pretty close to the Polish border. He's been to the U.S. a bunch of times. I've met him, uh, and 
he's ridden my tractor. He thought the lawn tractor was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> he wanted to ride it. And, uh, you know, he's had opportunities to come and move to the U.S. because his family's here. He had, you know, legally he could he could do it and no problems. But even before this war broke out, long before he knew that God was calling him to shepherd the sheep that were, you know, there in, in his town. And uh, so he's stayed, and, you know, I'll play a little bit about what, what his church is doing. He's also involved as a leader in a Christian uh, book publishing company in that same town. Um, and that operation has basically been completely turned around. I mean, the, the demand for Christian books is definitely there, but it's more important that they utilize the resources to put together humanitarian aid. So one of the things that they've been doing is receiving humanitarian aid, things like food, medicine, um, basic supplies, um, you know, dry goods, um, all, all the basic things that we take for granted, really. They've been putting those together, packaging them. I mean, you know, they've got all of the sort of industrial equipment to, to deal with it, the pallets and the pallet movers and the, you know, the big machines to be able to box things up very quickly. So they're, they're moving large quantities of humanitarian aid from Europe. People are, are sending money, people are sending goods, and they're receiving those because they're so close to the Polish border. And they're packaging that all up and they're bringing it. Some of it is being provided to the refugees that are being housed in their churches and in the, the uh, church members' homes. Um, and so as people are coming from the east and, and the south, they're providing for them. But then they're also sending boxes of these goods over into these hot zones where people can't get basic necessities because the city is pinned down by bombing. The cities are pinned down by bombing. Nothing can really get in or out. Um, because it's just not safe to go outside your house. And it's not really safe to stay inside your house either, yeah. but a little bit safer at least. And, and they put curfews and things in so they don't allow you to move around the city freely. And uh, they're providing. They're keeping those people alive, and they're risking their lives uh, going from the West, where it's relatively calm, into those cities, delivering the goods, getting them to the, to the contacts that they know there, to keep the people alive. And then they're also the people who can get out, who are risking their lives. They're taking them back west and helping some of them um, cross the Polish border or just find a safe place in the west. So this operation is going on every single day as you and I, you know, live our lives and do the things that we consider normal. Um, there's people right now that are literally saving lives and uh, I know for that church, everybody gets uh, gets a copy of the Bible, you know, because they're a Christian book publisher. Uh, you, you, they have they have all the literature necessary, and I'm just maybe we'll only know on the other side of eternity how many souls end up, um, you know, uh, accepting Jesus and how many lives end up changing because of a result of of the work that. Uh, international organizations and Christian churches that are in Ukraine are doing right now. I know there's, there's a saying that there's no atheist in a foxhole. 
And so that's that's definitely the case right now, is people are turning to God because they have no one else to turn to. Yeah, and I, I want to shift gears a bit. That That's just so incredible, though, and it's great to hear these stories that we're hearing about, like people turning to God and um, these churches getting involved. But I'd love to, uh, I feel like we uh, don't get presented really what the people of Ukraine are. I think we see that they're resilient and stuff, but what are the people of Ukraine truly like? And because I feel like so, and up until this point, really, it wasn't as focused on, we didn't really look at it that much. But now that this has happened, it's taken center stage. And a lot of people really don't know much about Ukraine or its people and what it's like. So I'd love to just shift gears and get into that a little bit, if that's all right with you. Yeah, absolutely. Ukraine is a huge country. It's geographically, it's about the size of Texas, and it spans a large portion of of Eastern Europe. If you look on the map, I mean, Ukraine's a, a large territory. Um, they had over, you know, 40 million in terms of total population. It's a relatively well-educated population. You know, uh, I don't know exactly off the top of my head what the literacy rates are, but uh, they're very high. A lot of people will will end up going to college. Um, you know, it's it's a country that is uh, has done well um, and flourished since the fall of the, of the Soviet Union. And they're very pro-West. They're very pro-American. Um, it's it's just an area that has so much hope and opportunity. The people themselves are amazing and lovely. And uh, anecdotally, I'll give you an example. Uh, the two times that I was able to visit in person, once I think I was 17 going on 18, something like that, and then the second time I was... Um, Maybe I was a little younger. Maybe I was 16 or so, and then the second time I was 19. Um, you know, from both those trips, I was just so impressed with the people, how kind they were, how hospitable they were, how how good the cooking was, um, and, you know, really how, how beautiful they were, and, and especially the, the young ladies at that time. I was single, so I said to myself, I'm going to make sure to marry a Ukrainian girl someday. And so, <laughs> you know, that was that was my plans. God had his own plans. So, you know, when the time came for me, um, actually, he put somebody on my heart, uh, my wife, Elena, who is half Ukrainian. Her mom's 100 percent Ukrainian and her dad uh, was 100 percent Russian. And, you know, so I, I really got that that wish that I had. Um, and, and one thing, just real quick, the, the people of Russia and Ukraine have always been very friendly. And there's always been intermarriage. There's a, it's, it's a very fluid um, border. I mean, there was, you know, you have your, your extremists on either end, you know, Russians who might hate Ukrainians or some Ukrainians who hate Russians. But for the most part, the vast majority of people, there was never that animosity. That's something that the politicians really cooked up to turn, as the Bible says, brother against brother. And so that's one of the saddest things about all this is how the people themselves, they don't want to hurt each other. They have no animosity built in. You know, obviously, if somebody comes with guns and tanks and bombs and airplanes and is attacking your country, 
um, and, and taking away your territory as Russia started to do in 2014 and then just continued more and more aggression, obviously you're going to try to defend your people and your country. That's, that's only natural. Anybody would do that. But still, there's, you know, it's just really brother turning against brother. And it's the, one of the saddest things that I see that the, the devil is doing. And um, the highlight there, though, is, you know, these Russian soldiers that are coming in, they're they're not they're not these monsters, um, you know. They a lot of them had no idea what they were signing up for. I mean, they didn't sign up. They were told that they were going to go do a, a military exercise, and then they were told, "Okay, we're just going to walk into Ukraine, and they're going to um, accept us with open arms because we're just saving them from, you know, an oppressive uh, uh, Nazi regime that is is controlling the people," and so. A lot of these soldiers came in, and they really expected to be greeted with open arms. And they were dumbfounded when they were getting shot at and attacked. And they said, wait, 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 what are you guys doing? We don't want to fight with you. We just came in like we thought we were just going to, you know, establish uh, ourselves and, and throw throw over the, the bad guys and and then go back home. And so... A lot of them, they don't want to fight. They don't want to kill Ukrainians. And so it's just, you know, the highlight there is is Russians don't want to be killing Ukrainians, and Ukrainians don't want to be killing Russians. It's just the war and the politicians. Uh, and, you know, part of that is why Putin wanted to send in these mercenaries from Syria and from Chechnya, experienced, bloodthirsty, like really murderous people that have, um, you know, seen the harshest parts of war and have, uh, and that's why, because, you know, these, just a basic Russian soldier has no desire and has no animosity against, um, you know, Ukrainians. And I just pray that that relationship will once again be restored. It's probably going to take years and decades, yeah. you know, and, and after you lose a loved one in war, it's really hard to forgive. Uh, only Christ can can heal that kind of a wound. Yes. Um, but I, I do pray that those wounds would be healed and that the people would be reunited again. Um, it's just it's it's the saddest thing. It, it truly is, and uh, thank you so much. We're about out of time, but th- again, thank you just so much for being willing to talk to me about this and let people get insight into what truly is going on and that there there can be some positives found from this terrible situation that Ukraine and Russia are both going through because as you even said like the Russian people don't want this it's really those politicians and that's where a lot of it comes from so thank you so much for just giving us this insight that we can now have about this whole situation. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Awesome. God bless. God bless.